Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered, the podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. And we're moms to a combined total of 16 kids, with two more on the way. Yes, we know that sounds insane, and it usually is. But we're here to share the tips that help us keep our sanity and to share inspiring thoughts that help us get through each crazy day. Uninterrupted conversation is foreign to us, but we'll try. And we invite you to join us on our journey as we find joy in the chaos of motherhood. Hey, everybody, this is Bonnie. Welcome back to Outnumber the Podcast, and this is episode number 12. We are going to be talking about mothering with intention today. Um, But first, we're going to start with um, a pretty quick little crazy mom moment. Are you ready, Audrey? Ready. And this comes from Rena on Instagram. She shared hilarious things with us in the past. (laughs) This is what she says. I never thought I'd have to wash strawberries off of my ceiling. (laughs) My My oldest thought he would try Fruit Ninja in real life by throwing strawberries at the fan to see if it would cut them in half. <laughs> and then she, and then she continues at age 10. Come on, dude. Use your brain. <laughs> but but does she say if the strawberries were cut in half that she was cleaning off the ceiling? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> like you did it, yeah, did it did it work? Cuz I'm curious. <laughs> there's your there's your makeshift uh food processor, right? The ceiling fan. Oh, Who would have thought? That is hilarious. Yeah, that reminds me of one time when my probably about 10-year-old son did a quote-unquote scientific experiment to see if what would happen to a light bulb when he sprayed water on it from a water bottle. (laughs) That sounds fun. But he cleaned that one up himself. (laughs) Good boy. (laughs) Yeah, so today we're talking about intentional motherhood, specifically about finding the courage to make parenting decisions, even if they're different from most of your peers. That's right. Yeah. We all, I think, intrinsically know that we're the best parents for our kids, but it really takes courage to break away from the pack sometimes. And sometimes that could mean making a traditional parenting decision or an alternative one. But if anyone opposes you, that can be difficult to do. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. It's different from just going with the flow on, because that's what's expected next. Like for example, um, Preschool is expected at age three, so you put your kid in preschool. So yeah, some examples of areas where some of us might make decisions that are different from those around us um, include educating our kids, um, how we birth our children, uh, how we um, give them medical treatment, uh, our diets, our house rules, et cetera, all these different things. Pretty much every decision we make as a parent kind of puts a line in the sand at some point, right? It doesn't mean we always have to do that decision exactly the same, but it does mean that there will be someone somewhere that disagrees with your decision. (laughs) And so what we want to talk about today is having the courage to be the parent that you know you should be for your children and that your children need even if somebody else thinks it's a terrible decision. Right. Looking at, I think what I'm trying to say is looking at societal expectations or the norm or the way it was always done, or even the way that you were raised and saying, is this the best choice for my child and my family? Yeah, exactly. And it totally depends on um, where you live and when you live, et cetera. You know, for some person, um, having a home birth might be totally wacky and insane because everyone around them is going to the hospital and getting epidurals. Whereas in another um, community, going to the hospital might be crazy because everybody there does natural or die, you know? So just the fact that you are thinking about your decisions and consciously making them, even if they're difficult, means you're awesome, you know? So that's what we're going to talk about today. 
I think that you and I, Audrey, have made a handful of quote unquote alternative decisions, <laughs> at least in, in our communities. Um, some of these include, uh, you know, birth choices, education choices, like we've talked about. I think for me personally, homeschooling was probably the most difficult of these just because I had never anticipated doing it and because I got a lot of backlash from those around me. So uh, what about you? Did you, do you have a, one of these de- parenting decisions that was harder than others? Oh yeah. You know, it's really hard to say which is the hardest because all of these were well, none of them were easy, really. They all took a lot of thought and research and and all the stuff that we're going to talk about today. But none of them was like an easy decision. It isn't easy to swim upstream when everybody is going downstream. And um, so if you are making the decision to have a large family, and everyone else around you is only having one or two kids, that can be considered an alternative choice as well. Right. And then another one. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just heard from, from a woman who was raised in a very religious uh, background who really felt like pressured to have a lot of children. And she had a couple and then thought, that's right for me. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then another um, tr- decision that should be made very intentionally is um, a religious upbringing for your child, whether that is which religion you're in with your child or if uh, you've chosen not any religion or whatever, but that's a very intentional choice that needs to be made as well. Okay. So hardest alternative choice for our family. Boy, it's really hard to say because so many of the ways that we're raising our kids are different, like 180 degrees different from the way I grew up. Um, and You're so weird. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. And so all of them had to be made with so much thought and intention. Yes. Yeah. Intention. Exactly. Um, to to get where we are now. But I think maybe one that took maybe the most struggle or the most intention or the most thought through the years was probably having a large family. Did you, was that a decision that you guys made early on or was that like little by little? Sure, we'll have another. I think we'll have another. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it has um, definitely been something we have rechosen over and over again. Like, you know, when we were dating, we were like, oh yeah, let's have a whole big, big bunch of kids. But then, um, like after four, I felt like, okay, that's it. We're done. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a break there? (laughs) Not much, (laughs) but it's been something we've had to be intentional about over and over again. Like, uh, yeah, keep keep making that decision. And I know we're planning a future episode all about, um, when to know it's enough when, you know, when is, what is the right number of kids in large families? So we'll get more into that later. I guess maybe you and I should stop having children before we make that episode. <laughs> I don't know when that is yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. No, but you, ra- you raise a good point about these intentional decisions, especially the ones that are really difficult to make, is that sometimes you have to make them over and over and over again. I, I definitely feel that way with homeschooling because it's a struggle almost every single day to get up and have the motivation to keep doing it and do a good job at it. And when I drive past the elementary school and see all these kids in there, I think, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, sure, I want to go drop my kids off. <laughs> uh, yeah, we knew one family where every other year their kids were homeschooled or in public school. And I don't know if that was their way of being intentional or they're waffling about their decision. But actually, I think that would be harder to go back and forth. That's probably true. That's probably true. Okay, so today um, we are going to talk specifically about three steps to help us become the best kind of intentional parents that we can. You want to start with step one, Audrey? Sure. Yeah. So step one, um, we touched on this briefly in mom guilt when we were talking about being confident in your decisions. But step one is to research 
and listen to your intuition. And that would be, like we mentioned in Mom Guilt, honest research, like not trying to sway the search results, but honestly researching both sides of the issue. Yeah, so I wanted to share a little experience in this regard. Um, I my oldest ha- had been known for having kind of a colicky stomach for a long time. He was a really colicky infant, and um, he would often throw up for no reason or have a stomach ache. And so he was just kind of our our kid with the troublesome stomach. And uh, several years ago, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, it started getting worse and worse and worse. And he would have several weeks with nonstop stomach pain and vomiting and diarrhea. And then it would go away for a couple of weeks, but it just kept getting more and more frequent. And it was really freaking me out. And I thought something is wrong with this kid, but I don't know what. So we started kind of earnestly um, looking into some medical solutions, took him to two separate gastrointestinal, gastrointestinal doctors and nobody could figure anything out. He had every single test under the sun. Anyway, um, long story short, something told me that it could be fixed with diet. Something was like, check into his diet, you know, and, and strangely enough, neither of the GIs made uh, much mention of his diet and didn't ask much. So I finally found a, a third doctor who was a little bit more holistically minded and had some questions about his diet. Uh, like, <laughs> like, oh, like, what, what a concept. Yeah. Stomach related to the diet. Hmm. Yeah. I'm like, the kid could be eating rocks and nobody's even asking. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, long story short, this guy put him on a special diet and within about four months um, of us, you know, finally figuring out how to follow it very religiously, um, it, it all stopped just completely stopped. Oh. And and since then, that's been probably three years now. Um, he's had maybe two flare-ups in that time, but nothing like he, what he was happening before. And so to me, in my mind, I was like, okay, I, I did the research that I could. I went to the resources that I had, which were the GI doctors, and it didn't work. And it wasn't jiving with my mom intuition that said, fix what he's eating, you know? And so when I finally found someone that would, um, you know, follow my intuition on that, the problem was solved. And I just remember thinking, how sad if I had never, if I had just ignored that and kept going with the traditional approaches. You know, the last GI that yeah. we saw said, I, th- I think it's just time to look into pain management. And I'm like, my kid oh. is 11. I'm not just going to manage this pain. <laughs> there has to be a, a solution, you know? So anyway, that that's my experience of um, just really listening and knowing that there has to be a solution out there for my son somewhere. I just have to keep fighting for it. Yeah. Good for you. Okay. So one in decision that we made intentionally, um, and it took a lot of listening to intuition on this one was, um, for our first, we decided, uh, that we we're going to have home birth. And, um, but the problem was that we lived, uh, 45 minutes to an hour way out in the country, boondocks, nowhere, no medical centers, anything. So about, yeah, away from the closest hospital. So we had a couple, um, we were interviewing with midwives and we had a couple that wouldn't, um, take us as clients because they said, you're really just too far away for a first time birth and you have no record and you don't know how this is going to go. So, (laughs) so we kept, um, interviewing, uh, midwives and then, um, we finally found one who said, you know, she would do it as long as we had a backup doctor at a hospital ready to go and all that. And um, so we started appointments and about halfway through that pregnancy, it just, it just wasn't feeling right. And so I interviewed another couple of midwives and I found one that was just an absolute bulldog, just go get her. Like she said, she said, you can do this. There's no reason you can't women on the frontier, you know, they did it for, (laughs) there's no reason you have to be any closer to a hospital than 45 minutes because 
first time labor is not going to go that fast. And so she and then we also felt like she was so much of a fighter that if we did have to transport to a hospital, that she would be there fighting for our needs and and what things that we wanted from a home birth, you know, if we still had to go yeah. to a hospital. And so that was one example where um, we just kept on researching and you know, even listening to the intuition about the one midwife that didn't work out and just kept on going until we got where home birth was something that we really wanted. And so we made it, could make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. You say, you know, sometimes there's really no reason to say no or yes to a specific, you know, decision, but just something doesn't feel right. And I'm really a proponent of listening to that. I think that moms have a special gift for um, knowing certain things, you know, like we say intuition or, or um, you know, inspiration, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Instinct. Yeah. And, um, and if we don't listen to that, I think we do ourselves a disservice. You know, yes, there are experts out there that teach us things um, that they've learned over years and years of research. And absolutely we go talk to the experts when we need help that we can't figure out. But that being said, I feel like the final decision should always rest with the mom because she's the one that's the most responsible for her children's well-being, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And I think we also have a future episode planned on this thing that we're trying to put a name to, instinct, intuition, <laughs> inspiration, yeah. whatever it is, because I think both you and I have felt it so strongly and had it play such key part in our life that we're going to do an episode on that too. Yeah, I agreed. I think that's a really big gift to give yourself as a mom is to is to trust yourself and those feelings. Absolutely. So sometimes when we're looking into these uh, parenting decisions, um, you know, we, we're talking on this step about both research and intuition. Sometimes when we do the research, it it points really distinctively in one direction, right? We're doing the research and we just think, okay, this is definitely the the, the choice for me. But sometimes, at least for me, it's really just my gut that leads me to the decision. So sometimes I'll be looking at the research and maybe, you know, my neighbor would have seen a totally different answer for her in that same research. But for me, I was seeing this one particular decision, if that makes sense. I really think it's a combination of those two things. You educate yourself as much as humanly possible. You watch the documentaries, you read the books, you talk to to friends and to professionals, and then and then you get the final decision and pray about it or meditate out of, about it or whatever it is that you do and uh, listen to that gut. And then go forth confidently in that decision. Yeah, exactly. And then don't second guess yourself because you've done the work and, and you made the right decision. And I will also mention that that first decision might not always be your final decision. So sometimes my decision-making process is, is a, a series of steps. So I'll think, oh yeah, this is definitely the best decision for us, this X right? Do this X decision. And then three months down the road, I'm like, oh, actually it's looking like Y is a little bit better, but maybe I never would have gotten to Y if I had not first decided on X. Does that make sense? Yes, exactly. So, so just be flexible, allow yourself to, to change if needed, but, but trust those decisions. So then um, after step one, the research and the listening to the intuition, step two that we're going to talk about is having the courage to stand alone. So realizing Mm -hmm. that some of these decisions will get criticism that's just life. Somebody always has an opinion on your parenting. Yeah. Always. And often it's family and often it's friends and often it's some random stranger on the internet. <laughs> but someone will have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And sometimes you'll make a, a decision on many alternative parenting choices and there will be criticism or backlash on all of them. And just keep up that courage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so an example for us of, uh, getting criticism, I mean, there's a lot actually, I'll, I'll actually share two, but, um, 
One is, um, so I shared that one of our hardest alternative choices was to have a large family and a decision we've kept making through the years. But um, we've gotten a lot of, I guess maybe one reason we've had to keep remaking the decision is because there's been a lot of backlash against it. Um, we do live in a community where there in previous generations have been large families, but not so much um, now. And then in our personal personal families, um, there's been some backlash too. In fact, one dear family member <laughs> um, <laughs> told us that we were selfish to have so many children. And <laughs> super selfish. <laughs> You yeah. only think about yourself, Audrey. <laughs> Granted, this family member does not have any children, so they can't know how selfish you actually have to be as a parent. And the more children yeah. you have, the more selfless you have to be. But anyway, that was one one thing. I, I guess maybe they were concerned about, I don't know, <laughs> the impact on the environment or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that like that's when we've gotten a lot of comments through the years about... Um, the size of our family. And then another one um, that we're still, we made the decision um, not to vaccinate our children a long time ago. And we've not vaccinated any of our children, any vaccines, and instead choosing like to go expose them to other families with chicken pox and just play for the day and then come home and get a nice batch of chicken pox yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're, uh, you know, we've been going forth confidently with that decision for years. Um, and now our oldest two are in college and they both had to sign waivers because they didn't have vaccines vaccines, vaccinations for certain things that might be going around on campus. And so they had to, you know, sign this agreement that says if certain things are going around on campus that you will be sent home and not be allowed to be there while these things are going around. So that's like, maybe we didn't exactly see that in the future, but we still feel confident in the decision that we made and going forth with it. Yeah, you know, and I wanted to mention that um, when we get criticism for our parenting decisions, we have to realize that the standard or the norm of how people are doing things in our community or our country or our period of time is really very short-lived, right? So yes. um, the way we're doing vaccines today is way different than they did it 20 years ago and will be different from how they're doing it 20 years from now. The way we're doing public school and now that we have more charter schools, it's way different than it was 50 years ago, completely different than it was 150 years ago. You know, So all these societal standards change all the time. And so for us to you know, make a decision just because everybody else is doing it is a little silly just because it's just a trend. Some trends are excellent because we've, we have new research and new evidential proof that, that says this is the best way to do things that we know of right now. But in another 20 years, that's going to change, you know? And so that gave me a little bit of freedom to make different decisions and, and, and uh, choices that other people didn't agree with. Cause I thought, you know what, just because it's right for 80% of the population doesn't mean it's right for me right now, you know? Yeah. And and they might our choices might seem strange to some right now, but they haven't been nor will they always seem that way. You know, things change yeah. all the time. So that kind of gives us a little bit more freedom to say, I actually think I'm just going to do the way things the way I feel is right. How about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's an interesting point because um, like I mentioned at the beginning, a lot of the alternative, deci alternative decisions that my husband and I have made in our raising our family are 180 degrees different from the way that I was raised, um, but not so much his family. But for my family, we're like the pioneers in these decisions, in homeschooling, in home birth, in large family, in non-vaccinating and, you know, alternative food choices, all this, not non-standard medicine we're like the pioneers for my family. And what's really been 
I don't know, rewarding to see is that there's actually a lot of my siblings, cousins, distant relations on my side of the family that are now choosing to make some of these decisions too, because they see us and what we've done and they see some of the results of what we've done. And they're like, oh, hey, okay. So maybe like we are part of their research as well. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely how I got to make some of the parenting decisions that I did that were a little more difficult for me. Ones that either I didn't expect to be making or that no one around me around me expected me to make. Um, you know, homeschooling was an example. Actually, this is kind of a funny story. I I was first interested in um, home birth um, before I made any other wacky decisions in my parenting, <laughs> and so I met a girl um, that went to church with me who'd had some home births, and I said, "Hey, can I come over and just pick your brain? I'm curious about this. I was I was expecting my third chi- child, and the other two had been in the hospital. I said, I'm just really interested. I'd like to know more." And so I went over and we had a conversation and she just really piqued my interest and made me want to do a lot more research, gave me a couple of books to look into. And then as I was leaving, she said, now I just want to let you know, she was also a homeschooler and did some other weird things, you know. (laughs) And she said, I just want to let you know that when you start looking into different ways of doing things different from your friends or your community or whatever, um, in one aspect of parenting, other aspects might jump out at you as well, you know? And she, she mentioned homeschooling as an example. And I was like, Oh no, that's not going to happen for me. (laughs) Because in my mind, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready to make that decision yet. And so I thought that was just, Oh no, that's way, way out of my comfort zone. Um, and yet she was right because once I was able to find that courage to say, you know, I'm going to make this decision for my baby because I believe this is the right one for this baby at this time. Then I was able to also look at my other decisions and say, well, are those the right decisions too? Or am I just doing this because it's what I've always seen done? Um, and, and that was really empowering for me to say, I don't, I don't need anybody else's approval and just my husband's, you know, it's just him and I in this together to choose what's best for these babies. And, and we can make whatever decision we, we choose to. And we, you really don't owe anyone an explanation for anything, you know? So when we finally announced that we were going to homeschool, um, I had several close family members express some very strong sentiments um, against that decision. And I really valued uh, their opinions and their, um, and their concerns. Um, But deep down, I knew that it was the right decision for me. And so to be able to have the courage to say, thanks for your concern, but we're going to stick with it because, you know, God's given us these kids and, and we're the most, um, qualified to, to make the parenting decisions for them. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, we as the parents, I believe, are the ones that are going to be held accountable for how we raised our children. And so I think that's the whole reason why it's so important to make these intentional decisions is because we have to answer for them. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. Even if it's, you know, even if you don't believe in an eternity and an ultimate Um, someone to answer to, you still have to answer for the decisions you made and the effects they have on your children later in life. Right. You can't get to when they're an adult and, and realize you made a mistake and say, well, it's, it's because my cousin told me it was a bad decision. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, that doesn't hold any sway. You know, you're responsible. You got to make the hard, the hard call sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So step three is to find your tribe. Once you've made your decision, if it's different from everybody around you, it's not different from everybody in the whole world. So find your tribe. You're not alone. And there are other people out there who are doing what you're doing, who understand what it's like to be in the minority of doing the things that you're doing. And, you know, eventually you might create your own tribe. Yeah, I like that a lot. I remember when we first started homeschooling, it was pretty lonely sentiment for a while because all of my friends were starting to put their kids in school and go out to lunch alone with their babies. And um, I kind of felt like I was 
there was this there was this shift amongst my friends and I wasn't included in it, you know? So it was yeah. kind of a lonely feeling and I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I tried a million different ways of homeschooling and fumbled up a million different things. And and then we finally found a couple of homeschooling groups and to get together with them was so, such a relief. It was amazing. And a lot of these women uh, were a few years older than me, maybe just four or five years older, but that meant that they had kids who were older elementary age or middle school age. And I was able to see um, kids who had been the fruit of this way of education for several years. And I was just blown away. And I thought, oh my gosh, if these kids are what my kids are going to turn out to be like, <laughs> sign me up. you know. And so that yeah. was a really empowering thing to think. Oh yeah, there are amazing kids that come out of public school too, but I hadn't seen any of the homeschool ones. And so I was <laughs> yeah. really dying for some some evidence that what I had chosen was going to be was going to be a good choice. Um, and so I love that. Finally finding that tribe was really beneficial to me. We did the same thing too, where homeschooling is involved because, um, well, like I said, no, no one, we were the first one to have kids in my family. And so um, that wasn't really an acceptable choice, homeschooling. And then my husband's family, they were homeschooling, but they were homeschooling in a completely different method than we had chosen. Mm -hmm. So they were doing um, unschooling and we were actually, you know, sitting down with books and papers and doing things. And so from one side of the family, we were like, oh, you're not, you're not doing enough. And from the other side of the family, we were like, oh, you're doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and, then, and both sides of our family were basically telling us we we're going to ruin our kids. <laughs> yeah, clearly. And mm -hmm. then yeah. And then we also found a homeschooling group that it was just like a relief to just be around them once a week and talk just to the moms for an hour that, um, yeah, it's okay. You're not going to ruin your kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so some suggestions for how to find your tribe. Um, you can look for groups at the, that meet in your community. Um, at the library is a good place. Maybe start looking and asking if they know of any um, groups that meet special interest groups, or sometimes they have a calendar. You can just or use that. Um, sometimes there's community events. Um, for us, it was our local 4-H group that had a homeschool a chapter. Um, there's You can look on Facebook, word of mouth. If you hear of somebody or you know somebody or, I don't know, you see somebody at the grocery store, <laughs> walk up to them and ask them. It's interesting um, about you know, trying to find, find your tribe. The other day I was on the phone. A woman called me from Germany and we chatted for half an hour about breastfeeding and extended breastfeeding. And this was a choice she was wanting to make, but she was getting a lot of kickback from everybody around her mm -hmm. and everybody um, in the German community where she was, was um, telling her that was not a good idea. And she needed to start feeding her baby, you know, this at this age and all that. And she said, I got your number because my mom knew you when you lived in a totally different state. And so the, she was like reaching in the, in the, back of her mind to find somebody who she could yeah. talk about, you yeah. know, to, about this decision she was trying to make. So yeah. that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's great. That's really cool. And it's really, really a special experience to be able to be that sounding board for someone who's trying to make another difficult decision. So one of the wonders of the internet is that it connects people from all over the world. Um, and so I've had multiple people that I have admired from afar online in uh, one of the, these types of parenting decisions that they've made. And I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And vice versa. Yeah. I've had a lot of people reach out and say, hey, thanks so much for talking about this because this was a really difficult decision for me to make. Um, homeschooling seems to be that really popular one because it's a big decision that you're kind of mired in for years and years. And so I've had a couple of people say, I'm just terrified to, to try and to be able to help somebody have that courage is really, really empowering. I love it. 
Yeah. And I, like you, were mentioning about that lady that you went and had a visit with. Um, when I when we were first starting on our parenting journey, um, across the street lived a lady who was doing everything alternative. And I had so many good talks with her. And she was about, you know, four to five years ahead of me down the road in this journey. And, and like she was just almost like my mentor in some of this, that home birth and, you know, all this stuff. And we'd, we'd just talk about it and it would get me started thinking about it. And so I have accepted the opportunity that now that I'm a little older, maybe in, in this role that people can reach out to me too and um, ask, pick my brain or ask me questions or look on my family and see what it's like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. You know, I wanted to mention one final thing. Um, we we have talked in this episode a lot about quote unquote alternative parenting methods that kind of go against the grain, but really intentional parenting is any parenting decision that you think about, research about, and actively make a decision for and don't just go with the flow. So sometimes that looks, like I said, like a different decision, like an alternative decision, and sometimes it looks like um, something totally different. So a quick example I wanted to share was my younger sister really wanted to have a natural birth for her first. She went to a birth center and she labored and labored and labored and labored and nothing happened. And she was miserable and it was just a horrible, horrible experience. So she was finally transferred to the hospital, labored more and longer, um, and then ended up with a C-section because they just couldn't get this baby out. And so um, for her second, same thing. She's like, well, I'm going to give it another shot. Um, and tried to have a natural birth and labored and labored and labored and labored and nothing happened. And when they took her in for her second C-section, there was some evidence that she definitely needed that second one um, to take care of this baby. Anyway, so she did end up having a third baby as well and just chose to have a C-section. She goes, it was a really difficult decision for me to give up on that dream of having these natural births, but I knew that it was not right for me and my kids. And I knew that if I kept fighting it, I could potentially put them in danger. And I just thought, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, this difficult, this decision was difficult for me when it's a decision, decision that everyone admires you for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I get, a, I do get a lot of admiration for some of the decisions I make. I, some, I get criticism, but sometimes they say, wow, a big family, that's amazing. But to go along with the flow in some of your decisions, um, maybe doesn't feel as courageous, but it, but it definitely is. Any decision that you make, um, consciously for the benefit of your children is an intentional parenting decision. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just not to do it because everyone else is doing it like a lemming. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But make the choice to do what, what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. To be intentional about it. Oh, I just wanted to say that Bonnie and I, you know, we've talked about a lot of weird alternative stuff in this. And if you can't find your tribe, if you, you know, want to pick one of our brains, drop us an email at outnumberthepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to talk with anybody who's who's considering a, a particularly challenging parenting decision and, and offer some encouragement because I know it can be hard. So to recap on our steps for intentional parenting, number one is to do the research, do your homework, and then trust your gut in the final decision. Yeah. Step two is to have the courage to stand alone. Yeah. You don't, you don't owe anyone an explanation for your decisions, right? Yes. And then step three, find your tribe. And if you can't find your tribe, make a tribe, you know, because you know there's got to be other people out there that are looking for support as well. And, uh, you know, start a group, find a group, uh, reach out to those that you know um, agree with you in that respect. All right. Who knows? You might start a podcast someday with hey. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Bonnie and I both have quite a few recommendations um, from books we read from research we did in some of these alternative decisions that we made. And so we're going to put each um, a list of some of our favorite books about homeschooling and natural birth and vaccines and 
large families, and so on. We're going to yeah. put all that in the show notes. Yeah, right. These are uh, resources that kind of got our brains thinking um, and moving in one direction. And uh, if you're curious about any of them, check them out. They helped us out a lot. So that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. We have loved talking to you guys about mothering with intention. If you have any questions, please send us a line at our email at numberthepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you enjoyed this podcast. And did you know that every month Bonnie and I do a giveaway for someone who leaves a review on iTunes? If you leave us a iTunes review during the month of April, you will be entered to win an Amazon gift card. So please do it and let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Outnumbered, the podcast. You can contact us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at outnumberedthepodcast. We're so grateful for our listeners and would love it if you take the time to leave us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. And don't forget to share the podcast with your mom friends. Can't wait to talk next time. Bye. Bye.